I'm Dr. Noah Emery. I'm Sam Acuff. And this is the Addiction Psychologist Podcast. Hello, addiction science folks. Samuel Acuff here. I'm very excited to introduce a new segment on the Addiction Psychologist. Almost every single week, there's important policy on the local and federal level, either enacted or discussed, that's relevant to our work in addiction or substance use. Although many of us are doing exciting research and clinical work in our day-to-day lives, it can be easy to become disconnected from policy, uh, policy that can have massive implications for our work, uh, in addition to our clients, our friends, and our family, and ourselves. For example, the shifting legal landscape for medical and recreational cannabis or the possible elimination of discrimination in prison sentences for crack and powder cocaine criminal charges in a bill that recently passed the U.S. House of Representatives and will next be considered by the Senate, or as we'll discuss today, the authorization of e-cigarette products for market by the FDA. To our friends and family and clients, we're often the definitive experts on all things addiction and substance use. The most knowledgeable source, regardless of whether this new addiction-related policy is necessarily in our wheelhouse. So the purpose of this segment called Policy Briefs is to keep you up to date on addiction and substance-related policy developments. We'll talk to experts about these developments so that you can have the most informed possible understanding of why these policy decisions were made, how it will affect the people around you, and what might happen in the future. Sometimes I may do this, sometimes it might be Noah. And we're going to try our best to keep these under 10 minutes. But as you all know, we have trouble with that. So uh, we'll also do our best to keep our eye on policy. But if you happen to see something that should be discussed on the podcast, go ahead and send a message to us on Twitter at AdPsychPodcast. That's A-D-D-P-S-Y-C-H podcast. Uh, And go ahead and give us a follow if you don't already. On October 12th, the Food and Drug Administration announced that it had authorized the marketing of three new tobacco products, marking the first set of electronic nicotine delivery system products ever to be authorized by the FDA through the pre-market tobacco product application pathway. Here to discuss, Dr. Adam Leventhal, a professor in the Department of Preventative Medicine and Psychology in the Keck School of Medicine at the University of Southern California, and among other roles and honors, a member of the Tobacco Products Scientific Advisory Committee for the Food and Drug Administration. Welcome, Adam. Thanks, Samuel. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad glad to have you back. Um, So I think a lot of people are a little confused because obviously e-cigarettes and vaping, they're kind of everywhere and they they have been for some time. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, they've been marketed um, in different capacities. So What exactly does this development mean for the tobacco landscape? And is this an endorsement of these products by the FDA? Yeah, great question. I think a lot of people are are confused. Um, So as a lot of us know, e-cigarettes have been on the market for more than a decade here in the United States, and they've been advertised. Um, And So one question people have is, why is the FDA reviewing applications for authorization if 
products are already being marketed. So the, the context is, is that FDA wanted to do this all along, but it, it took a while for them to develop the mechanism for, um, for e-cigarette manufacturers to submit an application to be authorized to go to market legally. And so that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's the way it will be moving forward for all new products that weren't grandfathered in, such as, you know, the old products like combustible cigarettes will continue to be marketed and they will not need to, um, to go through uh, a marketing order, the companies and the products that have been around historically for, for a long time, but all e-cigarettes are, are new products, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the past 10 years. So, um, um, and so what the FDA was doing is they were uh, allowing for enforcement discretion, meaning that even though the products were being illegally marketed, they allowed them to stay on the market and just didn't enforce the violation because of a lot of reasons. But of course, one of the key ones is it's unclear as to what extent e-cigarettes will benefit public health for helping adult smokers transition away from combustible cigarettes, but also potentially harm public health by recruiting youth uh, and young adults who otherwise wouldn't be tobacco product users. So finally, this was the first ever um, uh, decision from the FDA about an e-cigarette marketing order. And that's what you're seeing. Uh, And you will see a lot more of these in the future and the near future and and moving on. Right. Very interesting. So basically this will be a mechanism that, that e-cigarettes, all tobacco products in general will, will basically have to apply uh, Mm -hmm. for uh, uh, through this. I think it's called the, um, the pre-market tobacco product application pathway before they're allowed to, to then market their product. Absolutely. Yeah. But, ones that were already there will not have to go through this process and they will be able to continue. Only ones that were there prior to a certain date. And I'm not sure what that date is, but it's so long ago that like almost all products that you're seeing, you know, jewel brand. And, you know, this one was about views and, and, you know, the, the, the widely used products, all of them are subject to this. Mm. Right. And so about, maybe a year or two years ago, all the products were required to submit an application for this. And if they didn't submit, that was the first um, uh, barrier, right? And then then the FDA would uh, indicate that those products that didn't submit over that past kind of one and a half year period would be subject to FDA violations and being taken off the market. Um, And then, um, and so, uh, and then, yeah. And of course the, the, the products that did submit, they're allowed to stay on the market until FDA renders the mm. decision. I see. And I also noticed mm-hmm. that they have denied applications for flavored products, um, in many mm-hmm. cases, um, because they did not sort of like the benefits to public health did not outweigh that, that potential to, um, sort of draw in younger populations. Yeah, correct. Right. So, so for this particular set of applications by, I believe it was British American tobacco. And uh, this is the 
RJ Reynolds. Um, I'll have to go back and check, right? But um, they're, they, they are the brand that make Camel cigarettes, you know, which of course is a widely marketed combustible cigarette. So they also make this product called Views and they submitted a number of different, each different product flavor and other types of characteristics. Some might have like a um, longer battery life, some, you know, uh, there's all sorts of, each of the different variations of a product need to have a separate application and applications were put forth for tobacco flavored products um, and a number of non-tobacco flavored products. And from what I understand, everything but the menthol flavored products were denied. And then wow. tobacco product flavored product was authorized. And so I think they're still, FDA is still deliberating about the menthol flavored product. And the rationale for a denial is exactly what, like you said, Samuel, that the um, application um, and the science presented in the application, along with just the science in the field, was not strong enough to indicate that bringing those products onto the market would actually benefit public health. And, you know, the way they would do that is by displacing combustible tobacco products like cigarettes, which, you know, result of for all the uh, tobacco related illnesses that we're concerned about. So what do you think this means for the future? Yeah, great question. Well, I think one thing that's important to note is that the tobacco flavored product that was authorized uh, was uh, a fairly high nicotine concentration. So this tells us perhaps that future products that have a similar public health and toxicology profile might also be authorized with that higher nicotine concentration. And secondly, the fact that all the non-tobacco and non-menthol flavors were not authorized um, it leads us to wonder as to whether future um, products will get the same treatment. So we'll have to see. FDA is, is supposed to, um, you know, and I'm sure they do look at each product separately. Um, but yeah, this this could have implications for setting precedent for the future. Wow. Well, thank you so much. This has been really helpful for me to get a better understanding of what happened, and hopefully for all all the listeners as well. Sure.